Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. So welcome, hello, to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. I'm Megan, Strive's professional learning lead, and I am very excited to be in the Strive studio today with the formidable Darcy Lang. Darcy, welcome. Thank you, Megan. Darcy is a motivational speaker, author, leader, superwoman who we have had the absolute pleasure of connecting with um, twice in person now and then through my favorite emails to ever give and receive um, in between. We actually are coming uh, to recording this a day after Darcy presented for our earlier's community on her philosophy, Focus on the 90%. And um, so we're just, I'm just excited to, to chat and uh, share your beautiful message and philosophy with uh, the larger earlier's community. Mm, thank you for making too. the time. Thank you, Megan. And what a beautiful evening it was last night. Wasn't it? Oh, like you are such an unbelievable group of human beings. Yeah, we're really, really lucky. Um, and I think what I really appreciated about your message in general, but a lot of what you shared last night is really having us refocus on how lucky we are. Because I think it's easy to take that stuff for granted. Totally. It is such an unbelievably important job, and I hope everybody's as proud as they should be about that. Yeah. So tell me about focusing on the 90%, where it came from, what it means, and how you apply it. You bet. Well, focus on the 90% is my belief that we hold this big imaginary magnifying glass out in front of us in our lives and we have a choice what we focus it on the 90 percent of my world is that what is good what what is positive what is working in your life and the 10 percents are the things that aren't good and aren't working and for the most part we have no control over so as you know from hearing the show enough i'm not saying that we shouldn't focus on our 10 percents we will talk about that as we carry on i'm sure but I feel like we can't spend the majority of our day focused on the things we can't control because right. it, it just doesn't bring us a joyful life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're not talking like toxic positivity. We're not talking pretend everything is sunshine and rainbows all the time. Oh, goodness. No, that that's why I always say, and I don't say focus on 100%. I don't know a single person that has a perfect life. And in no way is this not an authentic, raw version of me understanding how incredibly difficult it is to find the good, because life can be really hard. Mm -hmm. And life has real challenging 10% in it. And I hear you and I'm with you on that journey, but we need to get through those 10. The purpose of life is to get through those 10% struggles, not stay stuck in them. Yeah. And at some point we need to get through them so that we can start to see our life through that 90% lens again. So yeah. no, far from toxic for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And so where did it, so you've been sharing this message for 30 years now. Yeah. Um, where did it come from? How did it, where did it originate from for you? Mm, well, it's that, that's a whole podcast story, right? <laughs> but I had a really colorful childhood, grew up in five different families. I was raised my early formidable years by my dad. And then I left home when I was 18 and I started working at 18 at a tuxedo rental store, which when I was 24, I ended up buying a store. That's so amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I look back, I think, 24, what? And in that time, I had what I called my quarter life crisis and was going through a lot, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually. And I went to the library because I had no money and I got all these self-help books. 
And this one book, it was just a small little workbook that isn't even available. It's called Attitude is Your Most Priceless Possession. And it gave me this idea about this idea of holding a magnifying glass out in front of you. And for some reason, Megan, that that was my Oprah light bulb moment. It just made me sit down and say, oh my God, I have a choice. Like I had so many 10%, things I couldn't control, things I didn't want to happen as a child that I almost, as you know, from being in childcare and all the work you do on the, um, you know, on the developing brain, I think I grew up just seeing what I didn't want. Mm -hmm. So I felt like at 24, I, I had this new power. Oh my God, what? I could wake up tomorrow and I could see my life the way I want to. And that shift in my thinking, certainly wasn't overnight, it's been 30 years, but that shift in my thinking changed the whole trajectory of my life. And then my bank manager asked me to speak at a staff meeting on this idea, and poof, here I am 30 years later. Wow, it's incredible. So cool. So cool. And you said, for the most part, word of mouth. Oh, my business has been 100% referral. Yeah. 100% referral. It's, you know, you heard me at the, just how I got here to London. It's, it's all been referral, and I'm so blessed. Well, at the beginning, I had a tuxedo store. I also, also owned a bridal wedding trade show, and I was a speaker. So at the beginning, it was a third of what I do, did. Right. And then when I sold my store to stay home with my kids 22 years ago, I really delved, dove into it full time. Mm-hmm. And then it just really started this ripple. So I'm very blessed with that. Yeah. Spectacularly. Well, I think there is such a poignant piece to how your message translates particularly when we talk about early childhood education because of that brain piece in in so many ways children are looking to us to model an attitude of how to see the world around them right like they're doing that through play they're doing that through the way they're interacting with us so we're if we're walking into those environments with a 10 percent lens on that's what we're teaching them. That's how we're teaching them to see the outward world. Exactly. And I'll extrapolate that to entrepreneurs. Like when my entrepreneurial friends say, my staff are not happy, I always say to them, are you? Mm. Like, are you showing up? Because again, Megan, I'm not discounting life is hard and that we all have wounds and we all have 10% and addictions and, and mental and physical health and challenging losses and family issues. I'm not discounting that for a second. But again, I have to stress, you have to move through that stuff and heal and do the work on it so that you can emerge a full, rested, nourished human. Mm-hmm. Because you want children to be happy. I've never met anyone in childcare that doesn't want children to be happy. But are we, are we showing up? Yeah. And saying, my life is not perfect, but I, person in the mirror, are going to do what I have to do to get it as perfect as I can make it. Yeah. That makes me think about something that you were saying last night. Uh, you touched on the recruitment and retention issues that we experience in early childhood education and what a drain that can be, not just on the system as a whole, but in independent centers, on, on staff morale and all those kind of things. And you um, almost posed like a personal challenge to people to think about how the tight what's on their billboard right can you can you speak to that a little bit more about this idea of us walking around as a billboard right uh, lovely I'd love to that as I said last night we motivational speakers are billboards for what we do right I, I have to be the same kind positive person I am on stage as I am in my community it's just non-negotiable and 
I believe in childcare, if we want to recruit and retain, I'm not discounting there is labor shortage, I'm not discounting that, but one of the greatest way to recruit and retain is go make it look like the most amazing thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And make it look like it's something that fills your soul, not the thing that sucks the life out of you all day. Yeah. And I have watched organizations like improve their recruitment and retainment by, I think the greatest way to promote your company is by what the people at barbecues say, what they say at their dinner table. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that, Megan. And I think it's become a habit to complain. For sure. And yet we love, they love it. Yeah. That room last night radiated love. Yeah. They love it. So why don't we just love it? Yeah. And be more proud of it and yeah. sit at barbecues and say, my God, I have the best job in the world. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Um, you know, in your uh, fabulous book, Embrace the 90%, you talk a lot about labels and the kind of labels that we carry, either self-imposed or possibly given to us by by others and the way we walk around with those labels all over us and what we do with them. And there is a very common label that exists within early childhood education about, um, you know, that we're not professionals, we don't, we're not valued, we don't, we're just glorified babysitters, like all these kind of um, narratives that circulate about who the early childhood educator is and their role. And unfortunately, I think a lot of us sometimes live into that label and so we we allow it to chip away at the value that we see and then I think that does walk in with us when we enter our workplace definitely so challenge the label defy the label you know people say I'm just a I say where did you learn to who taught you that mm-hmm. so as we talked about last night words are so powerful and they radiate such an energy so what do you say when somebody says, what do you do? And do you proudly profess, I get to? Yeah. You know, I get to care for children all day. Yeah. And I get to deal with little people. They're, they're way better than big people, <laughs> right? Way better. Amen. Right. Yeah. So what is, but we, all, we didn't learn that, Megan. We, no. didn't, we weren't raised by people who said, go work in childcare. It'll be the most admirable, important thing you do in your life. Mm-hmm. So change that. Yeah. For the next generation by being proud, having your billboard say you're proud, but then teach your own children at your dinner table that what mom and dad do is the most important thing in the world. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's such a a powerful form of advocacy, um, how we show up for our profession day to day. You know, in the grand scheme of things, we may not have a lot of control over federal policies and Mm. how much we get paid yet but if we walk around with a frown on our face all the time we're not necessarily communicating a message that we um, deserve to be treated any differently right absolutely and the change I've seen in my career as a speaker from today and even 10 years ago calling yourselves professionals now I see the light is in people is way brighter. Mm-hmm. This advocating you're doing yeah. and the pounding on the fists of, of the counters that you are all doing is paying off because mm-hmm. people are standing prouder. Yeah, They really are. Yeah, I remember when our do- children were in elementary, they're 20 and 22 now, there was a woman um, at our school who left a high profile banking career and she opened a home childcare. And I remember the talk around the mothers was, was she, did she lose her mind? And she would come to school, not me, I thought that was amazing, and she would come to school, and she was probably the happiest woman I ever knew. Yeah. 
And she still, she would walk eight children smiling, thinking she won the lottery. Yeah. And I thought she did so much to show us all mm-hmm. how proud she was. It was beautiful. Yeah, if anything, I mean, it really speaks to that maybe some of the most powerful advocacy is happening at those barbecues, at those informal conversations where you're celebrating what you get to do. Absolutely. And then the words that you use to explain it to your spouse partner and the way your spouse partner explains what they what their spouse partner does. Yeah. And if you're in childcare and your husband wife is sitting at a barbecue saying, I my job my wife has the best job in the world. She comes home happy every night. Mm-hmm. You've changed now what everyone at that barbecue thought about it. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important. Yeah. I know, I mean, we, we've we definitely internalized the 90% message on the Strive team. We use it as a way to, I shared this last night, we use it as a way to call each other in when we can see our colleagues getting stuck in their 10%, right? Um, because... We, you know, if we, we, you use the example of evaluations and stuff, but we are often engaging the community and giving us feedback. And it's so easy to focus on that one negative mm-hmm. comment that you get um, or to start stewing about something that we, we can't go back and change. And so we've started using it as this like really loving way of being like, is that your, is that your 10% showing? Or, you know, what about the 90%? Um, and we have our little, magnifying glasses on our desks and stuff and it's been it's been this great thing for our team this new way to talk about our work and what we're feeling and really keeping us grounded in the things that we rejoice about our jobs which is a lot amazing yeah so I'm very appreciative of that so you have done quite a bit of work with the early childhood education community or the early years community, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, at least here in southwestern Ontario, we've been very lucky to see you quite a bit. Um, and so I'm just like wondering what you're noticing or hearing or feeling when you are in these shared spaces with early years professionals. Mm-hmm. It has, and as I said, I have worked, of course, across the country over these last 30 years. But what I'm seeing is exactly what I said, a greater pride, a greater ownership in I chose this and it's important, meaningful, powerful work and I need to talk about it from that space more. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing is hap- happening is the ripple of that. Those around, so you get one leader in the center talking about this proud language no 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 we're not complaining oh no no that's the federal government we can't control what they're going to do you never could you never can so why don't we just do this job amazingly I am seeing more and more of that these bright lights coming in shining their light out to the group but I do see a level of fatigue Mm -hmm. and that level of fatigue is the obvious so many 10% you couldn't control. Then you heaped on COVID. Then you've got policy. You've got all these things, the paperwork, the all of it. Okay, I get it. That's real and that's absolute reality. But what can you do to solve some of that so that we're not talking about it over and over again and draining the life out? So that's what I've seen. This advocacy, and you've got these bright lights in the centers, changing the language, changing the behavior. But then you've also got people who are tired and tired of doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's hard to be a cheerleader all the time mm-hmm. when the team isn't all performing. So yeah. everyone has a role. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's um, that's very true and definitely something worth, uh, worth thinking about. So if you were, for those listening, what is maybe one thing that you would tell them to start doing today to sort of live into that 90% in a more successful way? it all starts with the person in the mirror 
-hmm. It's not what your center can do. It's not what the government can do. It's not what your leader can do. It's not what your spouse and your children and your mother can do. It's what can you do? Mm -hmm. So what can you do to look at the person in the mirror and say, how can I be the absolute best I can be for the person in the mirror first? And again, we don't learn this. We were taught to love thy neighbor. We are taught to, especially childcare, your fault, your love. Mm-hmm. You were t- you are attracted to childcare because you love other people so much, and you're the most. I never had more hugs in my whole life than I have <laughs> in your audiences. So that's admirable and important, Megan. But it is absolutely important to feed you first. Mm-hmm. Feed you mentally, physically, spiritually, psychologically, intellectually. Do what the person in the mirror needs to do to be the absolute most well version. Then go feed. And I don't think we learn that. No. And it's because in your psyche you just want to love and serve. Yeah. That's important, but we're not but at what cost? No, it's 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 true. And I think, you know, when you are in a care forward position, it is somewhat in your nature to be giving, as you said. Um, but if you're, you know, it, it's become almost cliche, this idea of like, you need to fill your own cup or, you know, how full is your bucket, like all these kind of things, but it's cliche cause it's true. Yes. Um, and I think it's, uh, we need to be turning that, that, uh, lens around on ourselves and, and thinking about how, what are we bringing to the, to the table? Cause it's easy to say, oh, you know, we don't get paid enough or my center doesn't do this or policy says I can't do this. It's so easy to, you know, layer those things on and, and feel crummy, but right. We, but the, the only absolute only thing you can control in your entire life at work, at home and your in-laws, all of it is the is how you treat yourself this you have the literal only thing in your whole life extreme control over and i'm not saying that it doesn't take means to eat well and all those things but the sleep is free (laughs) exercise is free you know well i can't join a gym i have no money walk it's free so the basics of the sleep exercise nutrition your water all the things that are to to move the dial slightly every single day Mm -hmm. to just become a more well human yeah because part of the billboard megan is not only at work and not only in the community but it's again at your own dinner table and if you come home or come home or you care for at home but if you come home tired and depleted every night then childcare looks like the thing that beat you up all day right what if it was the thing that filled your soul mm-hmm. and you did push-ups and sit-ups with the kids yeah. and you drank water with the kids and you ran the stairs with the kids and you went to the park and played on the equipment with the kids. Like excuses can be made for I don't have time. So put your phone down and you don't think your phone is a distraction. I challenge people, put it in the room, another room for two hours. Then show me if you can handle that. Yeah. Put down your phone, look at what's distracting you as you saw from the book and let's get it right yeah it's been rough mm-hmm. throw the cloak of COVID off let's recalibrate ourselves to say enough I, I gotta I gotta take better care of me yeah we have and we have access to those things right yeah right yeah we just have to actively make the choice that we want it to be different and you have to believe you're worth taking care of you have to believe you are worthy that's a big one to be, that is the biggest one to believe that you are worthy as worthy as your children are of love when you get when the person in the mirror believes if you believe you're that worthy mm-hmm. your life will change yeah and i 
I think we, uh, when you're saying we're not taught how to do the opposite, I think something we are taught is not to have needs. Right. Um, and I, a part of it is the way um, girls and women are socialized, um, which certainly make up uh, a strong part of our workforce. Um, but yeah, you're almost taught to be robotic and that there's something weak about showing that you also have needs or about setting boundaries, like you're not allowed to do those things. Isn't that warped yeah <laughs> we so have to change that for the next generation of women yeah we so have to do that especially as leaders we need to show our vulnerability like when you have marriage problems and addiction problems and all that and you come to work you say oh like i said last night we leave our personal problems at home no you don't they come in your energy they come in the way that you treat people and your you know um marianne williamson one of my favorite speakers says that the wounds that 10 percent in our personalities are the wounds we have not healed mm. i couldn't agree with her more and they show up yeah. megan yeah they show up yeah people think they do a good job they don't yeah they don't and i mean we talk about um you know those wounds that you carry and I think maybe something that is worth appreciating, particularly for early years professionals, is that children can be very triggering of old unhealed wounds. Oh, interesting. Um, and so thinking about, you need to do that work, right? If, if your goal is to show up to be the best version of yourself for the children and families you care for, which if you pulled any early years professional, they would say, yes, of course. If that's the goal, then you really need to start with you to put yourself in the best position to do that. Oh, that's so, I can't relate as a childcare provider, but I, as early learning, but I can tell you for sure as a mother. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I believe the things that bump up against us and do trigger us are the beautiful examples of what I need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Parenting has done that. Parenting has been the most intense personal development journey in my life because it brought forth what I thought I was done with all of it, yeah. brought forth little wounds of, oh my God, I'm not done. Right. So it's time for me to heal this even more. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's so cool is that working in the early years, we have direct access. Like what a gift, we have direct access. We have the opportunity to do something really joyful for this next generation. Um, and so what, what a privilege. I mean, I always say um, you know when I'm in the class with students or, or just chatting with people is that what a profound gift that every single day we have parents and families showing up and saying I'd like to leave my most precious thing here with you to take care of for a little while because I trust you to do that wow like it's powerful holy smokes That's you know huge it's a gift it's an absolute gift yeah so to internalize why don't I think it is mm -hmm. why don't I talk about it more than it is and let's stop talking about how busy we are no one cares and no parent wants to hear at the door that you were busy all day mm -hmm. like and when the parent shows up tell them good things first yeah because I've picked up siblings in my life and the first thing I heard is the bad thing of the day yeah like can we hear some good things and show me your light that yeah. you're doing yeah agreed. yeah it ripples I bet yeah I bet it does yeah yeah um, so I, I mentioned the Embrace the 90% book, which I just loved. Um, it's so 
vulnerable and inspiring and just um, a beautiful read. Um, but one of my very favorite stories um, from the book that had me in stitches oh. is the story you share about when you entered a Tahitian dancing mm -hmm. competition. Perfect. Would you be comfortable sharing oh that God, story course, with those considering listening? Considering I write it for the world. <laughs> so the Embrace the 90% book you have is my fourth book. So I have two motivational books, as you know, Focus, yes. and Liv Focus on the 90%, Living the 90%. I have a leadership book, as you also know, Lead the 90%. And this was my fourth book, Embrace the 90%. And it's how to slay fear, defy your labels, and love yourself. So one of the um, stories about fear, what, so I, uh, you can't see in the podcast, but I'm five, five foot and a half, and right? And I, I, I have white skin. And they had, and I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, and they had a Tahitian dancing at my local community. What? Like what? It was little me doing that. So I actually got really good at it and went competitive, competed at a provincial level and I loved it. My husband really, would really like me to continue on with those shows, but no <laughs> luck. So I was at this competition and I was 13 and I just got my new boobs because remember when you got your new boobs and oh, it was yeah. such a big deal, Huge. right? Yeah. Such a big deal. So I had been Tahitian dancing in these little triangle bikinis. You know how they do in the movies with yeah. the grass skirt and the headpiece? And I hadn't had boobs before. So all of a sudden I have this bikini on with these little tiny boobs. And I'm so excited about that. And I get on stage and it's the finals. And there was this woman that I, girl that I needed to beat every year. I needed to beat her, her and I had a competition. And during that competition, my bikini top came untied and my left boob fell out <laughs> and I kept dancing. Because if you, st if you stopped yeah, dancing, you were I out. I would have been disqualified. Yeah. And I kept dancing. And to be 13, have a new boob was a big deal. Much less now this whole boob is in this whole rec hall. But it was an example of resiliency. See? Because I, I, can you imagine how embarrassed I was? I thought I was going to die. Like, who would want that? Now, who cares? Right? The janitor can see your boob. You don't care. But at 54, but... Oh my God! At thirteen, so that that is another example. But oh, you yeah. bet! I got lots of stories yeah. like that. Yeah, and so what it taught you is how how resilient you can be under totally. the most unusual comical circumstances. Totally. And I went home with a trophy. Most importantly, Megan. Yeah. Did I, you? Oh, oh wow! That's the best part. They probably felt terrible. Yeah. For me, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the whole world got to see my boob. Amazing. They, I'm sure it. Ta they were talking about that for I'm years. I'm sure they still do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they still do. Um, another thing you say in the book that I really loved is you say uh, that especially resonated with me as a registered early childhood educator is that curiosity is in your DNA. Oh, yes. What do you mean by that? I have such a curiosity for people. What's your story? Why do you talk the way you talk? Why does your Why do you walk the way you walk? Why do you think the way you think? So my curiosity is seeing people through a ninety percent lens. Like why? Why do you do the things that you do? Mm -hmm. And I love to unpack the story that people tell, and I love to observe human behavior and get to the why. So that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I love that, and I also feel I think it resonates with me because we talk so much about curiosity in the context of our work. And I almost feel like curiosity is another pathway back to ourselves in terms of like, why are we here? What led me to want to pursue early childhood education? Because we all have a why. And I think if we can lead with curiosity, um, lead with that 90% and sort of think about what, what got us here, 
um, there's a reason. Yeah. And the curiosity to look in the face of those little children all day and just their wide-eyed curiosity, it's got to bring that out in you. Absolutely. And just it brings a compassion level for me. Certainly. When I start questioning the why rather than the judging and the labeling. Yeah. And I don't know the story. Yeah. We talk a lot in our work about like um, engaging with a trauma-informed lens and part of like a trauma-informed practice mm-hmm. asks you to not say what's wrong with you but what happened to you. Um, and even just that small shift in phrasing can really make a difference in how you approach someone new or how you engage in a conversation with someone who's maybe not showing up in the way that you're accustomed to them showing up. Love it. And that must apply to the four-year-old and the 44-year-old. 100%. Right. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. I would love to know what um, the best advice you've ever received. The best advice I've ever received is to love yourself first. Mm. And this is, like you said, cliche-type talking, like cup half full and fill from the well and all the things that you said. But to love yourself first is something I really want people to sit and ground themselves in. Could you really do it? Mm. And we say, oh, I drink my water. Okay, but do you fully, can you look in the mirror at the beautiful soul that you are and could you see yourself with love despite the 10%? And if you can't, figure out the ways to get to that place. So that's the best advice I ever got. And not every woman gets that advice. No. We don't. And if we did get it, we were taught we were bragging and boastful people. And that wasn't a servant attitude. But how's that working? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not great. Not, not great. And I'm not talking about egotistical spas every day. I'm talking about genuine love for yourself. Yeah. And we'll talk about it on Friday. But I, like all my passwords are I love you. I should probably just tell the other world this, right? <laughs> well, now you heard about my boob. What the heck? But all my passwords are, I love you, and I'm so proud of you, and you're amazing. And when I set an alarm for myself, you know, to wake up in the morning, I put a, a positive message on that alarm. And X, when I have my cell phone, you saw XOX is, is my cell phone number to myself. It's just that radical self-love. Mm-hmm. That ra- And why don't you? Yeah. And why don't you? And figure out the whys. Get curious about yourself. Yeah. Who taught me the labels of why I shouldn't love myself? Mm -hmm. What was the trauma that disconnected me from myself that I need to get back to who Mm -hmm. I was? Or maybe you don't even know. Yeah. And it's time to come home. Yeah. And I mean, you you talk about the the need to retrain our brains, but the more that you tell yourself, I love you, I love you, you're cared for, you're safe the more you'll start to actually feel that, right? Like that does reroute things in your brain in a way that can be really impactful. I can't even imagine what that does for a child. Oh my gosh. Like I can't even imagine. My yeah. father has a philosophy, love, love heals everything. And I bet you have seen the dramatic difference in a child who got love in a center. Mm-hmm. How is that different, yeah. Megan, for us? No. I see 50-year-old women who, need, who haven't looked in a mirror for 20 years yeah and when they do they say ick yeah how can you love from that place when you just don't love you I mean really our needs don't change that much from when we're small to when we're adults we just stop thinking we're allowed to indulge them as we get older so insightful so true so we always uh wrap up the podcast with a little a little game it's more of like a rapid fire are you up for it oh so yeah. okay 
So um, the first, I know you're a podcast listener, like you are a fan of podcasts. What are you listening to right now? Oh, I am a junkie. I love, right now, just a minute, I was thinking about it on the way here, Feminine Beast. I was listening to Feminine okay. Beast driving here from Toronto. I love Jay Shetty yes. on purpose. I love Gabby Bernstein, Sahara Rose, um, Highest Self Podcast. Anything, it depends on my theme. As you know, I have a theme for the year. Yes. And whatever I'm healing or working on. So right now I'm doing some health around the liver. So I've been listening to some podcasts around healthy livers. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Favorite children's book? Oh, Giving Tree. Oh, good one. Totally. Good one. Favorite ice cream? I don't I don't like ice cream. What? I know. It's can you even believe it? Get out of here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't like cold This food. podcast is canceled. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I don't like cold food. I know it's weird. I'm not a huge fan. But if what I, would your go-to treat be? It, then? If I go to if I go for it, it's gonna be epic, like Rolo. Okay. Like if I'm gonna go for an ice cream, it's gonna be the most over the top, sweet induced. All the Rolo. toppings. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So if you're not eating ice cream, what is your sweet indulgence? My sweet indulgence, I like a good artisan dark chocolate, like Ooh. a homemade, beautiful artisan dark, and at your Covent Garden market uh-huh they have the chocolate shop in there and she had the most amazing 70 percent. so i like a good dark yeah. chocolate i'll i have a, a chocolate shop if you have time while you're still in town there's the place you okay, need you're to gonna visit. hook me up i'll tell you yeah Perfect. um what would you say to your younger self oh i love you so much and i'm so proud of you i'm so proud of you my little my inner self is called sweetie that's my inner child name and i would tell her i'm so proud of you like she was such a courageous, beautiful boob showing <laughs> younger self. I just love her so much. And like, you know, all of us, if we could go back and just tell her she was just amazing. Lovely. And last one, what's bringing you joy today? Bringing me joy today is the amount of alone time I've had to balance the beautiful energy of all of you. Alone is my, is my sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And I've enjoyed alone, so much alone. That's a gift. Such a gift. Yeah. I live with two adult men. <laughs> so alone is a gift. Alone is a gift. Well, thank you so much, Darcy. Um, sharing space with you and company with you brings me more joy than I can vocalize. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just been so blessed to have you join our earlier's community and share your amazing gifts with us. Um, we, you can connect with Darcy on social media and through her website, which we will link in the show notes for today. As we talked about, Darcy has four books, all of which you can borrow from the ECE Resource Center here at Childreach if you uh, don't have the means to get them yourself. So definitely check those out. They are incredibly insightful and well-written and funny um, and full of, of wonderful vulnerable stories and um, thanks for thanks for listening we um, appreciate you being here and uh, sharing this time with us and we hope that it uh, put a smile on your face it certainly put one on mine mm. and you are all so blessed to have Megan a part of your team 
I liked you the second I met you. I feel like if nobody, if someone doesn't like Megan, there'd be something seriously wrong with them. <laughs> so you're all so blessed to have Megan. And I know anyone listening would just be like, oh, absolutely, my ever. So thank you so much for sharing oh, your light with the world. Thank you for saying that. It so was true. very, very cost effective to have her say that at the end. So <laughs> didn't cost me nearly anything. Yeah. Amazing. Worth every penny. Thanks, Darcy. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.